Morning, church. How we doing? Hey, I want to have you stand up for a second. Uh, nothing like some bylaw updates to make you, you know, feel good. So just take a minute, uh, you know, give somebody a little karate chop, a little elbow in the rib, wave at some people, make sure everybody feels good, stretch a little bit. Ah, there you go. All right, you can have a seat. Hey, question for you. Have you ever seen a smart person do something dumb? Have you ever seen a smart person do something dumb? Uh, I'm going to tell you a story about a guy I know, uh, and it involves this post about a guy I know. And uh, he was planting a tree in his front yard uh, one time. So he got the tree in the ground, and he realized, well, I better stake the tree off, uh, or the, the tree might fall over. And so he decides, well, I got this uh, T-post out in the, the shed. I'll, I'll ram this into the ground, tie the tree off to it, and that ought to keep the tree standing. And so he, he went and got it, and he's hammering on it, and he's, he's trying to get it in the ground. It's July, and the ground's like a brick. You know, it's just not going in. And, and so he's getting hot and frustrated, and usually bad things happen when those two things come together, right? And so he glances down and, and notices there's a little flange at the bottom and, and thinks, well, if, I bet if I jump on that like a, like a shovel, it'll go right down on the ground. But, but see, the cameras, can you, can you get a zoom in on that's going to be important for the story. So this guy I know decides, hey, you know what? I'm just going to jump on this and just get this thing in the ground. So he jumps up, comes down with all his body weight, and he's a decent-sized guy, and immediately feels these things go through the bottom of his flip-flops and through the soles into the soles of his feet. It's a guy I know, remember, and he is laying over in his front yard with blood pouring out of the bottom of his flip-flops and has to like crawl up to the front porch and where his wife then comes home and is like, what happened, right? If you haven't figured it out, the story's about me, right? I did that. And I I like to think I'm a relatively smart guy, but I guess when I get hot and sweaty, not so much, right? Have you ever seen a smart person do something dumb? If you could make me feel better, if you're a smart person that's done something dumb, would you, would you raise your hand, please? If you're online, type, yeah, yeah, me too, right? Uh, we've all made this mistake. We've all been smart people uh, who have done some dumb things. And, and I don't know if you feel this tension right now or not either, but I kind of feel like that's where I am a lot of days. Like I'm getting a lot of information thrown at me. Do you feel like that? Every time you turn on the news or you talk to a friend or you read Facebook, it's like you get some new competing piece of information that you've got to figure out what to do with. All right, I want to be a smart person making smart decisions, but it's been made really difficult right now. There's just so much information coming at us, but it doesn't feel like it's making decision-making any easier. Maybe I'm the only one feeling that, and maybe, maybe you feel that as well. And I, and I feel like, I feel like we need something to help us make better decisions. I feel like we need something to help us navigate all this information and make some better choices. And and I think maybe what we need is some wisdom. The skill of applying the knowledge we have appropriately. I I think we need some wisdom. I'm not sure we need any more information. There is plenty of information out there, right? You can find out anything you want about any topic, right? If information is wisdom, then the internet is the wisest thing out there. Uh, if, if information is wisdom, then Facebook has a monopoly on that right now, 
right? I mean, every time you get on Facebook, I mean, it's just inf- just information, information. But, you know, I've never gotten done, gotten done. I've never finished reading Facebook and thought, wow, that's a lot of wisdom I just got right there. I've never had that feeling, right? Wisdom is, is applying what we know wisely. And, and I feel like we need a really heavy dose right now of some wisdom. And I know I need some heavy doses of wisdom personally. And so I want to take just a few moments and let's pray about that real quick before we get into the rest of this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you uh, for being a good dad. And you tell us in scripture to, to call on your name and to ask for what we need. And, and Father, right now we need some wisdom. Uh, we are trying to make really important decisions as individuals and as a church uh, about life and about how, how we go about uh, into our futures. And, and we pray for wisdom. We pray for the skill to apply the knowledge and information we have appropriately and lovingly and wisely. And so we pray for those things in your name. Amen. We need wisdom. We we need wisdom as individuals to make really good choices. And we need wisdom as a church to make the best choices we can make. The devil is using a lot of different things right now to try to drive wedges between us as believers He's really skillful at doing that, and we need some wisdom to navigate that, right? What what do we as believers speak out against and speak up for? How do we bring unity and hope into a culture that is drowning in despair and sorrow? How do we do that? If if we want to be individuals that truly rise up, if we want to be a church that rises up, maybe we need to wise up. Uh, we've been in this series, and every, every Sunday we're looking at another version of moving up. Uh, last week was growing up, and today we're going to look at the importance of wisdom, what, what it looks like to wise up. So if you've got your Bible, uh, you can open that. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs mostly this morning. We're going to start in chapter 3. If you've got a digital version, you can open the app if you're online, a web browser. And if, if that doesn't work, we'll have the text on the screen. And, and we're going to jump into the book of Proverbs. Solomon uh, records a lot of wisdom in here. In fact, we call this wisdom literature. It's a book of the Bible that if you want some wisdom, this is the place that you start. So let's, let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, and this is where we're going to get started. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. For she, wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She, wisdom, is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant and all her paths are peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. That's what Solomon is recording about wisdom. He's saying that wisdom is better than just about anything we can gain in this life. He says wisdom is better than gold. It's better than treasure. He might argue it's better than a high-paying job. Uh, Wisdom is better than a big retirement account. Perhaps wisdom is better than winning the lottery. Yeah, time out on that one. I think he would agree. It's better than winning the lottery. He says wisdom brings things that are much better than anything else we could search for in this life. Let's go back and look at that text again and look at what, what he says wisdom brings to us. He says, blessed 
is the man. Blessings flow from wisdom. Who gains understanding comes from being wise. Long life, riches and honor, and peace. And this is just one verse. Proverbs is full of little nuggets of here's what happens if you pursue wisdom. And I, I would like to see those things in my life personally. Right? I, I would like to, to uh, have a long life and to have the blessings that God provides. And, and I want us to have that as a church. Not, not just OCC in this specific place, but the church at large. That we'd be a church of blessing and of peace. And that we would, we would take that out into the world. Right? Wisdom will bring these things. But of course, the natural question then becomes, how do we get this? Right? Okay, it brings these things, but how do I get wisdom? How do I get the skill to apply the knowledge I have? And I'm going to give you four ways. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you four ways we get wisdom based on another proverb that Solomon gave us. So we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. Solomon says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for understanding and cry aloud, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant. To your soul. Four ways we get wisdom. Number one, we have to ask for it. Number one, we ask for it. Uh, we know we need it. Uh, God knows we need wisdom. Right? But he also tells us that we should ask for it. James says it this way in James chapter 1, verse 5, he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. I love that word, generously. It says that, he'll, that means he'll pour it out. He's not going to be stingy with it. He's a good father. He's going to pour out generously the wisdom that we need. If any of us lacks wisdom, we should ask God who will give it to us. Where else can we find ultimate wisdom? Right? Solomon said if we cry out, if we call out, then we will find it. Uh, we must ask the source of wisdom for wisdom. And let me ask you this question. When was the last time you asked God for wisdom? When was the last time I asked him for wisdom? Yeah, I might ask him, help me make this decision. God, please give me wisdom. Help me to know what I'm supposed to do in this situation, given this information. Right? We ask our Father in heaven for wisdom. And the scripture says that he will give it generously without reproach, right? Well, right now we look in a lot of places for wisdom. A lot of times we ask the wrong people and we let them try to speak wisdom into our lives, right? Right now we're real big on the experts. Have you noticed that word appearing in the news over and over? The experts say this and the experts say that. Well, what makes someone an expert? Is it just information? 
Is it just knowledge? Right, God is the only true expert. He's the one that we should really be looking to for all decisions we want to make. He is the ultimate expert, right? We, we, we ask our politicians and our leaders for their wisdom. Uh, right now we're asking, you know, you got that Facebook Congress that's out there where everybody puts out every question and everything they want to know and everybody's responding. And even that guy who failed biology in seventh grade is giving advice on what you should do about a pandemic. It's probably not great to follow his advice, right? But, but we're looking in all kinds of places for wisdom. But the first place we have to start is with the source of wisdom. All things belong to God, including wisdom. So if we want wisdom, we have to ask. Uh, Once we ask, though, number two, we must listen. We must listen when God gives the wisdom that he is going to give generously. The text says things like, if we accept his words uh, and from his mouth come wisdom and knowledge, we need to listen to his voice. And, And I don't know if you're like me, I don't really hear God's voice audibly. I wish that were true. I wish he was, here is wisdom, right? I don't, I don't get this audible voice, right? But have you ever, have you ever been trying to make a decision and you got that aha moment? Like something, it just became clear. This is what I need to do. And you felt convicted. Or have you ever been reading a passage of scripture and just felt something like this is what I need to do. Or you've been listening to a worship song and you just felt God kind of whispering to you. Could it be that that is God's voice? Could it be the spirit within you revealing the things of God, right? He can speak in whatever ways he wants, right? God can speak through sunsets and sunrises. He can speak through through peace or a pandemic. He can speak through cancer or through a cure. And he can speak through the mouths of children or the counsel of an older person. I'm not gonna go into great detail on this. You can fact check this if you want. But one time in the Old Testament, God spoke through a donkey, And I'm pretty sure if he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through somebody in your life, right? God will speak in in a variety of ways. And we always have to be listening. A lot of times he speaks to us through the counsel of other people. So we should talk with other believers, people who are in step with the spirit, right? We should share our needs and our wants and listen as people give us advice. And we should be humble enough to ask for advice, and that's one that hits me here, right? To be humble enough to ask for advice. I can sometimes be a little type A and kind of just go this direction and this is where I'm going and, and let's do it and, and not oftentimes ask for the advice or slow down and, and really think about what I'm doing. God has this to say about pride and arrogance. James says it, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I don't really want to be on the side that God opposes. That feels like a scary place to be. I'd rather be in his good graces, right? So, so I, we have to fight the temptation to be prideful and arrogant. Right, Solomon says in Proverbs ten thirteen. actually, wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning. So we need to ask God for wisdom and, and we need to listen as he gives it. But, but that would be a little bit, I think, naive to just say, hey, God, uh, could really use some wisdom and then just kind of stand around and wait for him to speak. I, I don't know that that's really the answer. Yeah, we can ask. And I think we should listen. But, but Solomon goes on. And so step number three, I think we have to search for it. We have to search 
for wisdom. We have to search for wisdom. Uh, Notice the language that Solomon used in that text. He said, uh, uh, wisdom is like a treasure. It's like gold. You have to search for it. You have to look for it. That's, That's mining language. You have to dig. You have to struggle. You have to sift. You have to try intently to discover it. You have to try again and not give up, believing that one day you'll find it. Our treasures don't normally just appear. I wish they did. That'd be awesome. I wish I could just walk in my backyard and, ah, treasure. But that's not usually how it works. We usually have to dig for it and search for it and abandon the lesser things that are not as important and pursue the greater things. You guys remember a thing called the gold rush? It was back in 1849. Anybody stay awake during their social studies classes back in the day? Anybody? Right, the, the California gold rush in 1849, by the way, that's why the San Francisco 49ers are called that. Because in 1849, there was this massive movement of people from the East Coast to the West Coast. And what were they searching for? Gold. Just an ounce of gold would change their lives. They completely abandoned their lifestyles in the East and went West looking for it. And I think maybe that's the sort of enthusiasm that we need when we are hunting for wisdom and abandonment of the things that are not as important to go after what's important. And California was the minefield for their gold, but our minefield as believers is scripture. That is our minefield. We search it. We dig in it. We sift it. We, we look for wisdom in every story, in every character, in every line, in every book of the Bible. From the creation account to the revelation account, we read it and we look for wisdom. We search for it. We dig for it. It's not, it's not a passive engagement. It's an active pursuing of wisdom. And so I want to give you those three things in one sentence. And you can write this down if you're taking notes. Here's kind of put these three things together. We get wisdom... By asking our Father in heaven and listening to his words as we search for it. We get wisdom by asking for God, listening when he gives it, and searching for it. Amen? Amen. Uh, There's a problem, though. I said I was going to give you four ways, if you're counting. We've only done three. I've only given you three ways. Ask, listen, and search. But I feel like it would be very unwise for me to leave it there. If all I sent you out with today was, hey, go ask God, listen for it and search for it and you'll get, you'll get more wisdom. I feel like I'd be neglecting an important part of scripture because I think there's actually a fourth thing we need to talk about that is always connected to wisdom in scripture. Uh, Anytime you see the word wisdom in scripture, you're almost always going to find this other word. And I don't want to come right out and give it to you. I want you to try to guess it. So just turn to a neighbor, somebody next to you, and just see what what word do you think in Scripture is almost always with the word wisdom. Take about 10 seconds. If you're online, you can type it in the chat if you think you know what the word is. Uh, Rather than me just coming out and giving it to you, let me read a few passages and see if you were right. Right, Psalm 111.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Next. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Do you see the word? It's, all, it's in every passage when it's connected to wisdom. Let me give you a few more. We're not going to put them on the screen. The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. The wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Better a little fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. And then the one I want to focus in on, Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Right? The word that is almost always connected with wisdom is fear. And, and I don't know about you, but that's, that's kind of weird. I wouldn't anticipate fear and wisdom being connected. Not that they're opposites. I just don't know how necessarily they go together. But, but step four, yeah, we ask, we listen. We search, but we must fear. We must fear. And you might be saying, now, Mark, uh, there is plenty of fear in my life right now. I don't know that I need a message on fear. Like, have you turned on the news recently? Have you read a headline? There is plenty of fear, things to be worried about. I'm not sure you're going to be helping me a whole lot by talking about fear. And you're right. There is a lot of fear right now in our world. Right? All you got to do is spend a few minutes on the news, and, and I, I try to ignore some of that stuff because that'll just pump you full of fear. But, but there seems to be a lot. But what I want you to know is the fear of the Lord that we're going to talk about is not the earthly fear that we see and we read in our headlines. Now come look at that verse with me again. Proverbs 9, 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Did you see that? The fear of the Lord. You put a the in front of something and it becomes something specific. All right, you guys know how this is. You live in this area. The Walmarts. The Kroger's. My favorite one right now, the COVID. You heard that one? Oh, he got the COVID. Right? It's, you put a the in front of something and it becomes this official thing. And that's how it is with the fear of the Lord. It's a very specific type of fear. So I kind of want to walk you through what is earthly fear and what is this fear of the Lord that will bring us to wisdom? Earthly fear is this. Earthly fear terrifies, ter- or makes us terrified of what can happen. And we see a lot of that right now. Right, we're terrified. What if this happens? What if this happens? And what about a second wave? And, what about, and, what about, and it's all this, this terror of what could happen. Right? Fear of the Lord is different. The fear of the Lord is an acknowledging who has power. Earthly fear makes us terrified. The fear of the Lord is acknowledging that God is, is powerful, that all power is his. You see, earthly fear creates stress and worry. We feel that right now. Stress and worry about what's to come and what's to happen. And it's based out of a, out of a, a worry that, that these things could happen and, and it's, it's outside of our control. A fear of the Lord, though, recognizes who has control. The fear of the Lord acknowledges that God is powerful and that he ultimately has control over all things. And lastly, earthly fear causes us to freeze or to run or to fight. 
Those are our three primary instincts when it comes to something we're afraid of. And we see that on display right now. People are doing all three of these things. Some people are fighting what they perceive as wrong. Some people are freeze. They're just frozen, don't know what to do. And some people are running. Or that is earthly fear. But fear of the Lord is something different. The fear of the Lord actually inspires us to act. So let me give this to you in a sentence. Here is earthly fear, if I were going to define it. Earthly fear, terrified of what can happen, causes stress and worry, causing us to, to fight, to run, or freeze. Earthly fear is being terrified of what can happen, creating stress and worry, causing us to run, to fight, or to freeze. But that is not the fear of the Lord. Let me give you a definition of the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is acknowledging the power of God, recognizing who has control, inspiring us to act righteously. Right, it's acknowledging he has power, that he is in control, and it inspires us to act wisely. And you might be saying, okay, whatever, I get the definitions, but what does that look like practically? What does fear of the Lord look like in reality? Let me give you a few biblical examples. Uh, You remember Moses. Remember that guy? Right, Moses saw God talk to him through a burning bush. Uh, He then watched God send plagues onto the Egyptian people. Then he saw God part the Red Sea, and Moses and his people walked across on dry ground. Remember, it used to be a sea, and then the the ground is dry. All right, then when he gets out on the other side, God sends food from heaven every day so that his people can live. And he brings water out of rocks, right? Do you think Moses feared God? Do you think he acknowledged God was powerful, that he was in control? I think he did. And did it cause him to freeze or to run away or to fight God? No, it inspired him to act. And what he ended up doing was leading millions of people out of slavery and into the promised land. Right? That is wisdom. That is fear of the Lord. Remember David. Uh, David was just a, a boy when he saw God kill a giant with just a little stone and a slingshot. It wasn't David's power that took down Goliath. It was God's power in him. And he brought down Goliath. And then uh, as King Saul is chasing David, wanting him dead, and he's going between the caves, God protected him. Do you think David feared the Lord? Do you think he acknowledged God was powerful and that God was in control? I feel like he probably did, but it didn't cause him to freeze or to fight God or to run. No, it inspired him to act. And what he did was ended up dividing a united kingdom and bringing a, a time of peace and prosperity to his people. Uh, Let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to the Apostle John. Uh, John had a vision of heaven. And he saw God in all of his glory and the angels singing around the throne. Do you think that made John fear God? Do you think that made him acknowledge God was powerful and that he was in control? I, I would bet that it did. And as a result, he wrote the Revelation account and you and I can read it and get a snapshot into what is to come. Right? The fear of the Lord should inspire us to act righteously. And those are great biblical examples of God-fearing people uh, doing, that actually used to be a compliment. I was doing some research on this when people, that's a good God-fearing man. All right, let's let's bring that back. Let's let's have some good fear about us. May I be described as a good God-fearing man. And and those are some good biblical examples, but what about you? What about you? Have you ever seen God do something crazy that should make you fear him? 
Have you ever seen God do something crazy that should make you fear him? Have you ever seen a miracle? Have you ever experienced one yourself? Has God forgiven you of something that you never thought you could be forgiven of? Did you wake up this morning? Are you still breathing? Mask or no mask, are you still breathing? Right? Uh, Did the sun rise and is the sun going to set? Is tomorrow, do you believe tomorrow is going to be better than today and the day after that is going to be better than tomorrow? Right? Those are things that should inspire us to fear God. Right? These things should inspire us to tremble in his presence, to acknowledge he is greater than we are, to respect him, to revere him, to glorify him. See, that is the fear of the Lord. It's an extreme awareness of who he is and the power of his name. It's an extreme awareness of who he is and the power of his name. And you see, that awareness should move us toward acting wisely. Not to cower and to hide, but to take action. Right? This fear of the Lord, acknowledging that he has power and that he is in control, should inspire us to speak out against injustice, to feed the homeless, to shout his praises, to run the race marked out for us, to take hope into a broken world, and to help everyone find and follow Jesus. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's just the starting point. If we fear the Lord, we will want to act righteously. Uh, Not out of a desire to avoid some punishment or to earn some reward, but out of a response to his power and his presence. You see, without without the fear of the Lord, I think telling you to ask, listen, and search would would be short-sighted. We would be neglecting an important part. In fact, I think if you do those three things, you, you might change some behavior. Your life might change. But that's simply behavior modification. God wants heart transformation. And it's with that fear of the Lord that then the other things make sense. Wisdom will come naturally as we appropriately fear the Lord. And let me close with this example. Let me close with this example. Uh, let me show you a picture here. Um, not that one, this one. Uh, this is my son, Noah. He's seven. Uh, and this is a car that we just bought, right? It's a, it, it looks, that looks really good up there. I need to take a picture of that. But anyways, uh, we bought this car. We're going to fix it up. It's going to be our project. This is going to be our, our hobby. And I sort of anticipated a question he might ask me. Uh, but shortly after we got it home, he said, Hey, Hey dad, can this be my car when I turn 16? Can this be my car when I turn 16? And I mean, he's seven. I didn't know they started asking for cars that early, but I, I'm learning, right? And, and I don't know how to answer that. I don't want to say yes and lie, but I don't want to like shrug him off. I don't know what, you know. He's asked, can this be my car? And it got me thinking about this topic of fear. You know, he can ask all he wants. He can ask for years. He can listen as I tell him everything he needs to know about a car. Here's how you use the brake. Here's how you change gears. Here, I can, he can listen, right? He can go on the internet and learn everything he needs to know about an internal combustion engine, everything he needs to know about a car. But that doesn't mean he's going to drive it. If I sense any pride or arrogance about him, he won't drive it. He won't drive it. 
I need him to fear this car a little bit. It's not going to happen, you see, because I'm not just concerned about him, right? He's likely to have some precious cargo with him. So this is a picture of my daughter. Uh, I know I'm in a ton of trouble. Not only is she pretty, but that is a lot of sass right there. Um, right? He is likely to have some precious cargo with him when he's driving. And I need him to fear that car. Right? I need him to know the power of it. I need him to know that a car has the power of life and death. It's a powerful machine that should be feared appropriately. And listen, I don't mean I want him to stand next to it and like shiver and cry and be terrified to get behind the wheel. That's not, that's earthly fear. That's terrified of what can happen, creating stress and worry that makes him freeze. No, I want him to acknowledge that this thing has power and that he has a lot of control when he's behind that. And I want that to inspire him to act correctly. You see, I want his fear of that to move him to correct action. Right, then all the things that I've told him and all the things that he's read will make sense. And so here's kind of the bottom line when it comes to the fear of the Lord. If we fear well, we will act wisely. If we fear well, we will act wisely. In fact, Solomon goes on. Uh, he writes another book called Ecclesiastes. And at the very end of it, there's a whole bunch of wisdom in there. He gets to the very end, and this is what he says in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Now, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for that is the whole duty of man. Right, he, he writes this whole book of Proverbs and this whole book of Ecclesiastes. and get to the end. He's like, okay, let me summarize everything I've told you up to this point. Fear God and keep his commandments. We have to ask for wisdom and listen for it when God gives generously. We have to search for it intently as if it's a treasure, but we must do so out of fear of the Lord, acknowledging who he is, that he is in control, and that should inspire us to act. May we be good, God-fearing believers. Let's fear well so we can act wisely. And if we do that, we probably got a better shot of moving from being smart people who do dumb things to being smart people who do smart things. Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you that we're able to gather in this place, that we're able to proclaim your name, Father, I thank you for technology that is able to, to let people engage with us even if they're not here. May we use that wisely. Lord, may we just do everything uh, that you want us to do wisely. Help us to fear you well. And I pray as we leave here today that we ask you for wisdom daily, that we listen as you speak, that we don't just stop there, that we search for it, because you are an awesome God who has power over all things, who, is control, who has control of all things. And Father, may that inspire us toward action. It's in your name we pray. Amen.